Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Wheat. Well, being a bloke, you always like to be right. Unfortunately, I'm wrong. Last week, I predicted that the price for ex-farm wheat in Norfolk would go down. In fact, it's gone up. I've got a bit of a caveat in that I mentioned that uh, Mr Putin might come along and, and, and say something about his exports coming out of Russia. Although he didn't say it himself, there's been another rumour floating about that in fact they're going to limit exports and consequently the markets are so eager for bullish news they ramped up £10 a tonne in one day's trading between Tuesday and Wednesday. So the current X fund value is 174x for November the dynamic doesn't change. East, East Anglia is, is a surplus area of wheat. The UK has still got too much wheat for what it needs in the year. But it's, this is a world issue. The world is going to be always looking for bullish news. And when it happens, if it ramps up £10 in one day, it's going to be a very volatile year. On barley, I was right. It's the same price. 170x for November. Feed barley isn't going to go down in value. There's plenty of demand. There's a shortage in the world. There's nothing really to make the market steam upwards at the moment, but it's an incredibly healthy price for feed barley. Um, As I say, if you've got good storage, which is really an essential as we go into the future, then you're going to have plenty of time to sell it and you're not going to lose any value as we can see it. Malting barley, I mentioned last week the, the very high prices that we're trading at. Let's describe the market as in the middle of harvest boiling, and now it's come to a simmer. The pot is still on the oven, and it's going to continue simmering. I think the actual molsters themselves have got good cover. They've gone into the market. They've realized there was an issue. They bought. They've paid the right prices to get the barley secured. But there's one or two merchants who are a little bit short in the marketplace. And I think it's those guys who are going to be continually trying to find that grain to supply their contracts that's going to keep the market firm. I don't see anything pre-Christmas zooming up in value. But I do see post-Christmas one or two people perhaps beginning to panic about their shorts. Moving on to all-seed rape, uh, it's always great when um, luck comes on your side. If you remember, I mentioned that my, my colleague Ian said that the price of rape would be higher, and I said that the, the rape value would be lower this week. Um, well, if you looked at it in terms of uh, futures values in Matif, it's actually four euros higher, which is really good. Ian was right in terms of futures, but he was wrong in terms of X-Farm, which gives me great pleasure. Because during the last week, again, rumours about uh, the potential of us doing a, a Brexit deal has pushed the pound firm. So the strength in sterling has undermined the price. So as last week we were paying 327 X-Farm for November rape, we are now paying 325. Ian remains adamant that the market is underpinned. Oilseed rape has had... Uh, a pressure from palm oil rise in price um, but it is pressured by too many soybeans there's a very good soybean crop coming so underlyingly it is our view as a business according to my rape trader that the market stays the same or goes up my predictions for this week 
personally, wheat, I believe, will actually go up now. Uh, not much, but I think underlyingly, there is a high chance that something is going to come in terms of firm news from Russia. There's apparently a meeting on Monday. I mean, we don't know this. This is speculation. So if it doesn't happen this week, it'll happen shortly. If that meeting occurs and there's an announcement of a reduction in exports, then the price will definitely zoom up on the futures and the UK will follow it. If that meeting doesn't occur and or doesn't come out with a, a succinct statement, then the price will come down. But I've got to call it, so I'm saying it's going to go slightly up next week. Barley will stay the same or higher. Malting barley is going to stick uh, and not really alter much in the short term. Oilseed rape, I think, will be in the next week probably slightly firmer and my view on that is purely speculating that the pound strength will uh, ebb away thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours rtk farming is the uk's leading independent supplier of rtk signal to the farming industry with rtk delivered via radio or sim card RTK Farming can work with any make of GPS equipment, from aftermarket systems such as Trimble and Topcon to factory-fitted equipment. With low annual subscription costs and discounts for multiple vehicles, RTK Farming is the solution. For more information, go to rtkfarming.co.uk. And now it's time for our feature. Today, we've got with us David Udall, who is from the AHDB. Isn't it great to be sitting at Ailsham Grain's store in the middle of harvest when there's lorries and tractors going past the window? I think when you've got the, the sun shining outside and we're sitting in Norfolk and you've got the, uh, the malting barley being, being tipped out the lorries, there's no better place to be. And his title is, just remind me what your title is, David? Uh, I'm the Market Intelligence Partnerships Manager. What does that exactly mean? Well, I'm finding that out all the time myself. Um, my role is to engage with all sectors um, across HDB. So not only cereals and all seeds, but um, pork, beef and lamb and dairy um, to go out into the industry and talk to the commercial side of the supply chain and then try and bring that knowledge and expertise back into the market intelligence department to improve what we do. So for all of our levy payers, we give an improved output of market information. And so improved market information leads to what information which is more relevant to the marketplace and what is needed by the marketplace and um, when we talk to our stakeholders and our levy payers we're trying to understand what drives their business and what decisions they're making and what information they need from us and what data they need from us to improve their business decision making okay if we look at the sector that i focus on which is the cereal sector Does it frustrate you the level of understanding of marketing that farmers have? Yes, at times it does. Uh, And I think years like this year that we're in is another very good example of that, that we've seen um, a a start to the year where everyone was pessimistic and downbeat, expecting relatively lower prices than what we are at now, and unsure of what the crop was going to be given a very um, wet spring and and late winter that we saw. And then we've moved into um, the second half of the year through the summer, where we've had obviously the very hot dry spell, and that has affected crops across the Northern Hemisphere, and therefore prices have risen. However, 
farmers seem to be um, needing to realise again and again that their marketing strategy for each year needs to be representative of what that supply and demand is for that crop year, not having a set marketing structure year in, year out. And that's one of the um, ideas and one of the thought processes that we're trying to um, instil within farmers and our levy payers um, at HDB is trying to show that you have to be reactive to what that marketing year is, is showing to you and not just do the, the same thing year on, year out. We met many years ago talking at uh, HCCA uh, seminars on risk management and options. And several times at the meetings, we would say option premiums are too much money. How many farmers do you think used options this year when they really would have benefited 10 or 20 fold? Very few, if, if, if I'm honest. Um, I think there are definitely some who are more switched on to the marketing opportunities, but that would be a very small proportion uh, of those who are um, able to use them. I still think there is a, um, a lack of, of understanding of, of the benefits that options can, can bring. Um, and I think there is um, sometimes a thought process from farmers that they don't see the value of options um, every year. They think they only work once in a while, whereas they can actually give some protection year in year out and they still see that that the premium is is too much whereas if you think of what options were worth five six months ago that is a pittance compared to what the market has risen um over the last six weeks you you spent a time as a merchant you know you left you left the hgca or and it became ahdb and 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 you had time on the on the dark side um when you were trading with farmers and you were confronted with a situation where they'd perhaps sold 60% of their crop and they were confronted with a, the heat wave from hell. Did you find it frustrating that they used to just kick the dog as opposed to do something about it? Um, yes, because you felt that there were a lot of um, different ways in which they could protect their own business and protect their, their own profits. And I think in, in a year such as this year, um, selling grain forward and buying a call option against it would have been a very prudent method of um, protecting income. And I think it's still a very prudent method of, um, of risk management in any year. Um, you know, we, we see a global balance sheet that is getting ever bigger and bigger on the demand side. So any year where there is a supply issue, as we've seen this year, whether it's driven by um, heavy rainfall at harvest or droughts throughout the summer, you will see a strong market reaction moving upwards. Um, but I think there was still a, a reticence for farmers to, to use options because of the, of the cost of them and understanding exactly the, the risks that um, they would entail. But from a, a farmer point of view, um, they offer a large amount of, of gain for a relatively small outlay and small risk level. Well, I, I, funnily enough, before we start recording today, I, I asked um, the value of options for, for 19 harvest. And, and at time of recording, the futures are trading at 170. So 163 X farm Norfolk was the value of feed wheat this morning. Um, and an option was quoted at £13, which would give the farmer £150 a tonne. And budgets for wheat are 130 or less, and that will probably cause some trouble, but somewhere in that region. So there's a guaranteed profit. Should they do it? If I were a farmer and you had zero sales on the board and you were that uncertain, I think you have to look at ways to 
ensure profitability going forwards. I mean, we, you know, we, we've already mentioned um, the, 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 the volatility that we see in markets and the uncertainty that we have. And we know that there's more uncertainty because of Brexit coming forwards. So I think it would be hugely prudent of a farmer to take some of that risk exposure off of the table and to start looking at these different products that are available to them to ensure that they can make a, a profit. And if that is a good price for them, there is no harm in protecting your business and taking that price, knowing that you have options further forwards and, and another chance of, of marketing that grain. But it is a good price, isn't it? It's, it's a £20 per tonne profit net. And if you produce four tonnes per acre, that's £80 per acre more than your budget. What other industry would not do that? As you know, putting a trader hat on, and someone said to me, "Well, you can make a you know twenty pound per ton profit on that." Uh, I would be biting your hand off going for it, because you think, "Well, that's guaranteeing income into my book." Um, I think from a from a farmer point of view, um, I think there's two things that um, inhibit the use of options. Um, I think it is reducing that X farm price further, and as you say, in the example you gave taking it from 163 to 150 you know that, that's 13 pounds per ton it's still psychologically a large amount for them even though in the grand scheme of things of what we've seen in the market moving um throughout this summer it isn't really that much uh, at all um and i think the other thing that inhibits farmers from selling forward in that manner is um being wary of the yield risk as well of understanding well if i sell the entirety of my crop forwards and buy a call option I'm opening myself up to potential default issues and not wanting to get into, um, you know, hugely contractual um, difficulties going forwards. But as you know, David, with an option, if the market goes to £300 a tonne, you're covered with the option. Because if you don't produce something, the difference in price is covered by the fact the market's gone up and you've got the right to buy. So you're covered. That's the only safe way to avoid default. I think the £13 a tonne, or the adage that, that option premiums are always too much money. When I first granted options to farmers in 1988, they were £3 a tonne and they were too much money. But then the market moved £4 an entire year. At time of recording, we've just had a USDA report out and the old crop wheat market has dropped £9 in two days. So £13 relative to that is a really small cost, in my opinion. But you're right, I, I can't persuade or I can't convince myself it's right to take that much money or spend that much money on an option premium at this point. And yet part of me says they should do it. Then all the risk is gone, Profit, profitability is guaranteed in a year when we might be having tariffs on imports or exports, which which could mean that the price is somewhere dramatically different through nothing to do with the weather. It's It's taking risk off the pitch. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is is the certainty of it, and I think because of that Brexit situation, and because of the the, the global market movement that we've seen in the last few weeks, um, it, it's brought that back to the fore. And I think when you go say through years of two thousand fourteen to two thousand sixteen, the market was still volatile, but not in any way that we've seen at the moment. You know, you go back to the years of two thousand and eight, two thousand and twelve, and they're prime examples of when an option can benefit you and, and really help the income of farms and as you say protect them from those default situations and I think in in some ways farmers need to move away from that mentality of 
marketing in the same way every year and just marketing that single crop year and making one decision for it and understanding that actually we need to look over a longer time frame and start looking over three to five years and seeing how their business starts to operate because that's when those big peaks in volatility start to come in and those big moments where you can make the good profits start to come in. So whilst an option may only work in its you know, most obvious and truest sense of the form where you see a year like this year, where you could be making 30, 40 pounds per tonne profit on it, there will still be years within those um, hugely volatile years where you make smaller profits and it's still offering you a, a guaranteed price and protecting you from the market. And I think it's something that needs to be a, a, a mentality change and a, and a psychological change that comes in from farmers to, to drive their usage forwards. I certainly think that as we face 2019 and the uncertainty, prices of 163 for November feed wheat is 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 a phenomenally good price. If you look in history, how many times have you sold your wheat for 163 or more? And although the 2018 crop is trading at a arguably 25, 30 pound premium to that, that's not particularly relevant. 19 is up there because of 18. 19 standalone is a sell, mm. but you, you have to allow into that the risk of, of what might happen. And, and that's where we would say, sell it. And then if whatever the terrible thing occurs, introduce an option or cash settle it as, as, as a natural reaction. That's what you should do. But first and foremost, you need to sell it at 163. And all relating contracts, malting barley, milling wheat, they need to all be underpinned at those prices because it is a phenomenally good price. I think farmers need to understand that if you if you make a forward sale, um, that isn't just the end of that scenario. You could make that forward sale at one sixty three today, and then in four months' time, we see that you know the the Australian drought situation has carried on, and their crops been completely decimated, and and that starts to move the market up again. You can then buy an option in the future to cover your previous sales. Um, so I think there needs to be that understanding of flexibility um, and. And as I, as I said before, I think us as HDB, we we have a role to to educate and give confidence and try to show that there's these different um, methods that are available, and we need to do that to protect our farming community and to ensure that they're in the best position to produce the food that we are going to eat in this country. So, how do we get farmers to make more effort in their marketing? I think it needs to start with understanding what's best for their business and understanding their business. Do they need to sell for cash flow? Do they need to sell for um, movement and logistic issues um, off farm? Are they selling because they feel they are being moved into it by by forces outside of their control? Do they actually understand the reasons why they're selling and what is best for their business? And do they actually understand the costs of their business? And when is a good opportunity? And that old cliche question of what is a good price? Because a high price does not necessarily mean a good price for a farmer because they might still have very high costs of production. And therefore, every farmer will have a a different means of marketing and a different way to market their grain. And it's about understanding what's best for their business and then understanding what their own risk appetite is and the different options that are available to them. But do you not think that farmers don't utilise all the tools available? I mean, we've mentioned options. What about cash settlements? Why don't why don't farmers use cash settlements? 
Um, I think it's because they still, like it is in most places, they have a, a lack of, of understanding and they've never used them before as well. You know, we, we've entered in the last five or six years a hugely volatile arena and it's likely to continue with the extreme weather that we've seen in, in the last six to eight months. That is likely to continue. And we've got a global market that is being ever more hyped up because of um, ever increasing demand. So we, we know prices are going to be more volatile um, and we know that years like this year will happen again. Um, we have to ask um, the question, farmers, are you comfortable with that and are you able to, to respond to that? And do you feel um, fully knowledgeable of the tools that are available? And this is probably one of the roles of, of AHDB within the marketplace is to educate on what is driving the market, when those tools are going to be required and how those tools and different options work so that farmers understand all of the options available and what would work best for them. But you have, you know, breakfasts, you have seminars, you have meetings and 50 farmers say they'll come and then it gets to the day and 20 turn up. How do you actually make farmers realise that there is something they need to learn, something that some effort they need to put in? I think one of the best ways that we have um, in helping farmers learn about new 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 options that are available to them, not just on the marketing side, but across agronomy and, and all kinds of farm practices, is actually learning from other farmers um, themselves. And we've got a whole host of um, monitor farms uh, throughout the country, and the aim of them is to bring those 40, 50 farmers together and actually have a, a real open discussion on what does work, what's the best options for them, and admit where people have gone wrong and what they've learned from that, and then new strategies that they can implement. So, so the key message from today is really, come on, farmers, get out there, go and, go and listen to the AHDB. They're independent of the industry. Don't kick the dog if the market starts going up because of an Australian drought. Do something about it. Learn how to do a cash settlement. Learn how to use an option. Talk to an independent person, which the AHDB is, is paid for by you, by your levy, Get out there, go see them, get those options and those cash settlements going and enjoy the benefits. Thank you very much for coming, David. Thank you, Andrew. Built for adventure. See the new breed of off-roader. The all-new Mitsubishi Shogun Sport at Constitution Motors. This vehicle is a versatile seven-seat 4x4 SUV. Experience space, luxury and its 2.4-litre turbo diesel engine along with a host of safety features to make your off-road experience exceptional. It's the most luxurious ride and feel ever from a Shogun Sport. As talented as it is tough. Find it at Constitution Mitsubishi at their new showroom on Mile Cross Lane, Norwich and online at constitution-mitsubishi.co.uk And now it's time for Farm Chat. OK, Webby, so here we are on the Black Boys. What are we going to be drinking this week? So uh, we've got a pint of Woodford's Relighter. Um, Woodford's obviously a well-known, established Norfolk brewery um, on our doorstep here. It's cracking, lovely pale, light, refreshing, nice hops. Good session beer, Andrew. What do you think? Trying these beers and getting them for free is a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) I like this podcast thing. I'm going to have a sip now. Lovely, Mm. lovely drop. (laughs) Right, that actually is just right. That's that's not a bad drop, is it? Free, good. 
Love it. Solid session beer. This week, we have been told that we need to diversify and go into areas that isn't just agricultural. So our advisors told us that we need to come up with some ideas as harvest has been long and arduous on how farmers should get their wives back on side. And Claire also says we've got to be funny. And as we're both really experts on this matter, Ian, I think this is one of those conversations we can have. Absolutely. We'll give it a shot. I don't know. Tessa always seems really happy to me. (laughs) (laughs) See, here's what I'm thinking. I've seen the houses of some of these farmers when their wives take the kids away to try and get through the endless summer holidays without a partner. I think they can call themselves harvest widows. But whilst their wives are harvest widows, the men turn into takeaway bachelors. They literally come home, strip off their dirty overalls and dump them on the floor. Eat the end of the Chinese takeaway from the previous night and watch a bit of tractor porn uh, for an hour on their computers before going to sleep and repeating the same thing the next day. And now they wonder why they're getting cold shoulders from their other halves. So have you got any tips, Mr Smooth Dressing Trader Guy? (laughs) Yeah, of course I do. Let's make some useful suggestions for next year. Before the wife returns, chuck some bleach down the sink. That'll make the, uh, the house smell lovely and make her feel like something has been cleaned through the day. Or better still, have a word with the cleaner and get her to do some extra sessions so your wife comes back to a lovely home. Yeah, and, you cl- and they could clear out the bin of all the takeaway packages and uh, whilst you're at it, wipe out the truck so she doesn't see the ice cream wrappers. Yeah, another cracker. Um, also, buy some milk, some bread, um, open a pack of salad and leave it in the fridge so it looks like your diet hasn't completely gone to That's- pot. That's a really good plan. I like that one. Very relevant to us. If it, on the notes, it says, if you really want to get in the good books, buy some flowers. No, forget that. No, alien concept. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to make you look really guilty, isn't it? <laughs> What's he been doing? He's bought Absolutely. me flowers. Okay, that was really actually too close to the bone, I think. That, we'll have to have a word with our advice givers that maybe we shouldn't talk about things that we're not so good at. Let's just stick to grain trading, Andrew. Yeah, good idea, Webby. So as we head into this autumn... I think the decision-making process is going to be quite difficult this year. We have very good forward prices for all commodities. We have a very, very big demand for malting barley, and we're in a specialist malting barley growing area. So we want farmers to be growing as much malting barley as we can get them to grow. Equally, the home bet of growing feed wheat at these high prices is... Also, as it's the it's the right and safe thing to do. Um, Absolutely, the rotation is is healthy with the rate prices up. If the opportunity arises, I think you have to get malting barley in the ground and plan for some good spring barley acreage as well, because there is a serious world demand for the product, and we've got there are some very good forward contracts for it. I think that that having barley in the rotation also helps with the harvesting period and it's a good forward plan thing to do. Wheat, yep, we've got to get wheat in the ground. We've got uh, great forward prices, great opportunity to make a profit on a, on a commodity that's easier to grow. Otherwise, let's just hope that the autumn is kind to us. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email 
info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by tinshedproductions.co.uk in conjunction with eastcoastproduction.co.uk. 